0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Puccinelli. The following is an interview with 1996 East Noble graduate Amy Bagley and 1995 Westview graduate Andrew Bagley. At East Noble, Amy was twice runner-up and once state champion in cross country. In track, she was once runner-up in the 1600 and three times a state champion in the 3200. At Westview, Andrew was fifth his sophomore year and state champion his senior year in cross country. In track, he was once runner-up in the 3200, twice state champion in the 3200, and once state champion in the 1600. Upon graduation, Amy would join the Razorbacks of Arkansas where she was 15 time All-American and two times NCAA champion, once in the indoor 5K and once in the outdoor 10K. Upon graduation, Andrew would join the Badgers of Wisconsin for one year before transferring to Arkansas. At Arkansas, he was three times All-American and once SEC champion in the indoor 5K. After graduating from Arkansas, Amy would pursue running professionally, where she would go on to be a three-time Olympic trials qualifier, an Olympic qualifier in the 10K in 2008, US 10K champion in 2009, and sixth in the 10K at the 2009 World Championships. As of this recording, Amy is Indiana alumni all-time number four in the 1500 and 410 number 6 in the mile in 4.37, number 1 in the 3K in 8.53, number 1 in the 5K in 14.56, number 1 in the 10K in 3.113, and number 1 in the half marathon in 110.09. After graduating from Arkansas, Andrew would spend some time running professionally before a knee injury would bring his professional running career to an end. Andrew was still able to once qualify for the Olympic Trials, and comes in at Indiana alumni all-time number 18 in the 10K and 2849. After both Amy and Andrew's professional running careers came to an end, their careers would take a turn towards coaching. They spent some time as assistant coaches at UConn before being named the head coaches of the Atlanta track club in 2014-2015, where they are still the head coaches today. It was pretty surreal to get to interview two legends of Indiana distance running. I really enjoyed getting to hear their stories, the highs, the lows, and all the lessons learned along the way. I appreciate how honest they were about the best and worst parts of their running and coaching journeys. I think there is a lot to be gained from their stories. Again, thank you all for listening to and supporting this podcast. If you have any feedback or guest suggestions, feel free to reach out. As always, I hope you all enjoy this interview as much as I did. And without further ado, I give you Amy and Andrew Bagley. All right, Amy, Andrew, welcome to the Indiana Runner Podcast. How's it going?
1: Good, thanks.
0: Good, yeah, thank you. Awesome um how's track season going how's life in in Atlanta
1: (laughs) it's good we had one of our first humid days today but you know the um, the pro season is just getting started but it's funny if you look at the high school seasons or state meets and college seasons are doing you know conferences and nationals but the pros are just really beginning so it's really a, a different season for us but
0: yeah. Is there any kind of rhythm to the season? Like Are there big like milestone meets? or
1: It changes a little bit depending on when they put nationals and worlds and the Olympics. Um, that really changes things. And then this year, it throws another wrench in because Pan Ams are really late um, in end of October. So it really changes things up.
0: Yeah, I bet. Well, cool. I appreciate you guys taking the time to come on. Uh, we start each podcast with a little segment called tear talk uh we rank three things that have a different uh category uh so you guys are episode 34 so we're scraping the bottom of the barrel a little bit i had to get a little creative on this one um but if you could go back in time to any year or era what would be your top three um do you want me to go first do you guys want to go first
1: you can go first
0: okay cool so my number three is the 1980s as an adult. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty young. I'm like 27, was born in the 90s. I think it'd be really cool or interesting to see kind of the transition of the internet, technology, just how I'm, I'm just like, my whole life has been internet and phone and everything. So it'd just be interesting to see see that like transformation, that time period. So that'd be number three. Number two is and this is kind of a big time span, but the Middle Ages. Um, I love like like Game of Thrones, uh, just like old school or like older um, like movies, shows, things like that. I think it'd be cool to see up close like a battle with swords and spears and stuff. So that's number two, and number one is zero AD. Um, I think it's just obviously a very important time in in history and not even like for its like religious implications, but just like, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if it, if everything that happened or is said to have happened during that time happened. So that would be my, uh, my top three. What about you guys? Um, I guess I, mine would probably revolve around uh just milestones
2: in, in, in uh, track. So I, I think I would probably rank first. I would go back to the first Olympics Um, and, and, witness that and kind of see like what, you know, sports were like back at, at that period of time. And then I I think I would uh, go back to the time of like uh, Landry and Bannister and that crew, like as they were breaking the four minute barrier and, and I mean, there a lot of other important things outside of running happening too during those times, but that would just be really cool to witness. And then I think I would just go back to like the sixties and seventies when, you know, Prefontaine and, kind of the the jogging revolution happened uh, across the world, but especially in the United States. So I think those would be my top three.
0: That's a great answer.
1: Hmm. Let's see, my third would probably be, oh, the 20s. You know, you always hear about the roaring 20s, right? And just see all, all what they were actually about. Um, and then before that, um, I would love to go back and just see how um see how the US looked, you know, before the expansion, right? Before the westward expansion. And then mm. honestly, i like to go and see dinosaurs roaming the earth. <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> nice. like, you just, you know, you know you need to see fossils and in people's interpretation, but I'd love to see how, you know, how they really were. So, uh, that's me. I mean, I'd like to just go and see how big they were.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That's a great answer too. Um I don't know how much like free time you guys have if you watch many shows, but a recommendation would be Chimp Empire. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's on. It's on Netflix. Um, the I don't know. I won't go all into it. But if you like dinosaurs, if you like nature and and just observation of animals, it's a. I would watch the trailer. I would definitely recommend it. Um, well, cool. Those are great answers. So we're going to get into your guys's. Uh, basically your whole story, your your running story from start to finish. Uh, so we always start from the beginning how did you uh, Amy if you want to take it from from this top how'd you get your start in running or the beginnings like
1: Uh, so for me you know I I did the you know softball and basketball and all that fun stuff and then I would see uh, a woman running around Bixler Lake Park and eventually got to know that her name was Julie Manger and she was you know actually a teacher at the school and and so I said, you know, that looks like fun. I was a weird eight-year-old that thought running looked like fun. Um, my parents told me I couldn't do it till I was 10. So when I was 10, they put me in the Mother's Day five-mile run at Bixler Lake. And so I still got to run around the same place that I would see her running. And I got this big red ribbon and I was kind of hooked from there, but I don't think I, or my parents knew exactly how far five miles was for a 10 year old at that point. But, um, you know, I had a lot of fun and I was, that was, I was hooked from there. So that's kind of my first kind of foray into, into running.
0: Yeah. What about you, Andrew?
2: Um, so I, uh, I kind of grew up watching, um, my, uh, my uncle and my cousin running, uh, and my parents, they used to run this race over in Fort Wayne and I was like Macmillan health center or something like that, put on this race every year. And I would go and run that. And I would go and run the 4th of July race in my hometown of uh, Topeka. Um, and I was like terrible in the beginning. Like I, I would get like last and, you know, so bad. And, and then I, I uh, took on a paper route for my entire town. Topeka is not a super big town. So it's like a thousand people. So I had the entire town. So my dad would drive my brother and I, and he would give me like 10 houses to deliver the papers to. And my brother would have like five because he was a lot younger than I was. And we would race. And I didn't really realize it, but I was just developing these skills as a runner. So then I went out to like our track and field day and destroyed everybody. And so I was like, well, how did I go? I was like so bad before. Like, where did, how did I get good? And then, so then I was like, I'm going to get ready for the 4th of July race. And I like actually, I like trained for maybe a week. Um, but I went out and like blew that away. And then the high school coach at the time, um, Phil Hostetler, um, came up and was like, oh, you should run. And he's like, did you know your dad ran in high school? He's really good. I used to run with him and my dad never even told me he ran i was like what my dad was good at something like yeah, i didn't know that so, <laughs> yeah so i uh, i asked him about it and he he told me that he had run and i was like oh maybe i'm good at this and maybe i should give this a try so i um I, I just started from there and you know my before my my when i was in in middle school i would pretty much just race so i would i would run the day before and then the race so my dad would just like find every race on the planet I mean, I remember like one fourth of July, like I came down to Indianapolis and ran this race at night. The next day I went and ran my hometown race. And then there was a race on that Sunday as well. And my dad signed me up for all of them just so that I would like go and run mileage. Um, but that was it. And then, you know, then I had some success in middle school and that just kind of spurred me to like want to be better um and and start training and and it just kind of blossomed from there.
0: Yeah. So for either of you, were there any other like competing interests at this time, like were you doing other sports or any other like activities that you considered doing instead of running?
1: I mean, I was swimming and playing basketball and softball and, you know, my dad taught me how to fast pitch because he coached a women's league and, um, you know, so I, and then I got hit by a fastball in the knee pitching and I said, that's enough of that. Uh, I, was like, I was like, I'm done with this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but you know, we didn't have soccer and stuff back then yet in in Indiana. So it's kind of just the other sports. But um you know, for me, they didn't have a girls' cross country team in middle school, so I got to race against the boys in middle school, and I thought that was amazing. <laughs> I love that. That was really fun.
2: Yeah. For me, I I, I played a little soccer when I was uh, really young, and then. Uh, but I wasn't very good at it. Um, And then basketball was kind of my second love. I mean, I always played basketball. My best friend was a basketball player. So I played basketball my freshman year. And honestly, like, I think my life would have been a lot different. But my sophomore year, I was going out for uh, the basketball team. And, you know, I mean, you're from Indiana. You know how big that basketball is. Um, And uh, I I mean, I had been told I was going to be on the team. But, uh, you know, I went to... I we did tryouts or whatever. And then um, I wanted to go run footlocker just to, cause you know, everyone told me like, if you're going to make it as a junior, like you need to really run it as, as a, a sophomore. And I was fifth at state that year. So I was like, I, I need to go do this. And the basketball coach was like, uh, yeah, I mean, you can do it if you make the team even. And I was just like so pissed off that he like dismissed that I was going to even make the team. And I was just like, yeah, no, don't worry about it. I'm not going to go out. And he kind of thought I was just like kidding, but I wasn't, I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to play basketball. And then, you know, I ended up, um, just getting a lot better. Cause I had trained for the first time over the winter. Um, and, and, and I had a big jump that, that, uh, that spring and, and, uh, was able to, you know, win my first uh, state championship, um, in, in outdoor or well, a second as a sophomore. And that really, you know, sprung me to, to, uh, being a lot better. And, Full locker did not go well, so that that wasn't uh, anything good. But it was a good experience, um, and and I didn't even make end up making it till my senior year. But it was uh, a monumental moment for me because it I just was able to focus on it. But I do think it's a good thing for for kids to not specialize um, when they're like in middle school. Or I, mean, I think it's it was good that I continued to do other sports. And even though I didn't play basketball, I, my best friend was a basketball player. I still played all the time uh, with him, uh, pick up ball at at the local park or whatnot. But, you know, I, I was doing that kind of stuff all the time until really my senior year. And I think that's important just to build athleticism and not to just, you have that single focus that young, it just allows for more development as you, as you get older. And I think, you know, you continue to develop different muscle fibers and different, just a well-rounded athletic body is, is, uh, Kind of benefit you later on um when you do decide to go all in uh on running
0: yeah i totally agree with that did you have any regrets about quitting basketball uh no not really
2: i mean it was fun but i like i said i was still able to play i mean it's like it, it wasn't on the team um and uh it, and no uh, i i had a good enough career um and really enjoyed the opportunities that that running uh provided so no i i never uh i was a little mad probably that next you know <laughs> season as I had to watch it. But, uh, you know, after I after I uh, went to state and got second in the 3200 that year, I was kind of like, eh, yeah, it was a good choice. So yeah, for sure. Helped me to get over it pretty quick.
0: Absolutely. Then Amy, for you, how was the, the transition to, I guess, organized running to high school? How did that go?
1: Yeah, so we started doing in middle school, you know, my dad started finding people that could help us figure it out. So we did, you know, the AAU meets and we did um the USATF stuff and you guys I think did that too as well. And um and then when I got to high school and it was just the women's team, I thought it was a little bit boring. Um <laughs> I know, just for against against the women. But um, you know, I thought about doing basketball and things like that. But uh, just for me the risk of getting injured because I was fairly clumsy in things. So uh, that was always a deterrent for me in most things. Um and then my, you know, my freshman year, I had a little bit of success. And so my dad convinced me if I trained a little bit harder, it would go a lot better. And and then it kind of just went from there. So it was once I put a little bit more effort into it, I got a lot back. So that was fun.
0: Okay. Do you guys each have a moment where you maybe like fell in love with the sport or like, okay, this is, this is what I want to do for as long as I can do it? Hmm. Um, I mean,
2: for me, it was that that cross country meet my sophomore year where I was fifth because it. I always got sick a lot. Um, when I was in in uh middle school and high school, like every winter, I got like something made not like a cold. I got like pneumonia or bronchitis or something. You know, something huge that just wiped me out. So, um, I always kind of got sick, and and so you know, I always had had asthma. Like it was, it was from the cold weather. And so my sophomore year, like the doctor, like there weren't asthma medications back then, really. There was an inhaler I tried, but I was just like so jittery. Um, I was like, oh, this isn't doing anything, and so I didn't really have any options. So they just were like, you should wear a painter's mask when you ran. So I did that, <laughs> and it, it I looked ridiculous, and um, and I felt ridiculous. <laughs> but it kept me from getting sick, and, my, and I, I got used to it, and I ran with it. And actually, you know, at state then, uh, I didn't need it. So I, I, I might have started with it. I don't even remember, but I definitely took it off halfway. But I had been sick a little bit on and off and kind of struggled. And so I, I think it's – at I won sectionals. I was, like, second at regionals. And then semi-state, I I was sick, and I tanked. I think I was, like, fourth or fifth, but our team still made it. I might have even been 10th. It, was, it wasn't good, but our team made it. And so I was in state and I, my coach was just like, yeah, you know, um, you know, let's just go for top 30. And I was like, no, no, my goal at the beginning of the year was top 10. And he's like, if you're, if you go to, out too fast, you're going to die. And I was like, well, I'm going to die trying that I'm just going to go. For it. <laughs> and so I got a little too excited. And so the gun goes off, I take off and we're like 400 meters into the race And I'm like, shoot, like, where is everybody? And I kind of like look over my shoulder and like the field is like 50, 60 feet behind me. (laughs) Luckily, my dad was there because I was like, oh, my God, what have I just done? I've just probably destroyed my race. And my dad's just like, just keep going. And so (laughs) I think at the time my PR in the mile was 431 or something. And I I ended up going through the mile in in like 435. And then I went through the, the two mile in a big PR. And then I saw my dad again. And he's just like, look, just try not to let you're in first. All you have to do is make sure that no more than nine people pass you. (laughs) Every time somebody would pass me, I would just race them as long as I could. And I ended up, you know, holding off all but four. So that for me was just like, you know, the first time that all that hard work had really paid off. And I had, you know, gotten to a big race like that and been healthy and confident and that was really the the pivotal moment for me I was just like okay hey I'm really good at this um you know I was the first person in my family to go to college like this is a way to get there um and uh and and that was really what what uh hooked me
1: I think racing the boys in middle school I think well that big red ribbon that I got myself and then racing the boys in middle school was probably like a highlight for me so that was fun
0: that's awesome uh what do you guys remember about your training in high school
1: i remember so my freshman year um we my house was only a couple like a mile or so from the school and we would run to my house and eat oreos and run back um my freshman year wasn't very um we were not that dedicated and then the coach kind of figured it out and we had to do friends <laughs> family got back and that was the last of that uh, <laughs> that was the last of the cookies too but the um and then from there we brought in some other people to kind of help us train and brought in some other athletes. And then uh then Andrew actually coached me my senior year. So um, oh, really? Yep. Yeah. So I, I like about so he had a crush on me for years and I wanted mm-hmm. nothing to do with him. And then he wore me down and then um uh, then he wanted nothing to do with wore me. you
2: down or you came to your senses. well uh, you can look at it either way. <laughs>
1: So, but by the time I decided I wanted to date him, he wanted nothing to do with me. So then I think I finally asked you out and then that was the end of your senior year. So he's a year older. Uh, So he went to Wisconsin for a year and then he ended up coaching me my senior year from Wisconsin. So,
2: yeah. So basically like she, I, I was, uh, so she made footlocker her sophomore year and was twelfth. And then her junior year, she was eleventh. And I went her junior my her junior year was my senior year. I went and I was fourth. And then I flew to to footlocker with her dad. And um, we played a joke on Amy. He's like, just go with me. And then we get to we get to San Diego and he's just like, he tells Amy that because he was terrified of flying. And so they were surprised that he flew by himself with me. And He's just like, oh, no, it was fine. You know, I just I held Andrew's hand on takeoff and landing like it was all good. And Amy, like at that point, that's when Amy kind of had a crush on me finally. And I had like I had a girlfriend, so I wasn't interested in her at that point. But, you know, so she was she was mortified because she was actually interested in me at that point. And and we were, just you know, her dad and I were just uh, laughing our butts off. And we've her dad and I have been close since then. I mean, we have we just have a you know, a lot of people don't like their in-laws like um, her dad and I get along really well. Um, And it kind of started there.
1: Because so, they pranked me.
2: Yeah, it was it was pretty funny. <laughs> but so we just talked about her training and she hadn't had consistency in her coaching. They switched a lot. And he was just like, you know, uh, you should coach her. And I was like, I, I'm like going to be in college. I don't know anything. He's like, you know, more than this guy does. He's a football coach. And so I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess uh, I'll try. And, you know, so I, I coached her and it wasn't like I was a good coach. It's just that it was the first time of her doing anything really organized or that had any kind of intention in it and so she ended up getting like second that year at footlocker and and then made uh the junior team uh won the the 15 the 5 and the 10 at juniors and then made made uh the junior worlds in in sydney so i was a little mad at her dad at that time because you know kind of did all that work and then they left me behind when they went to australia but (laughs) i got it over it eventually there you go
0: what about you andrew what was your training like
2: uh, my training, we did heart rate based training. So um, I, so my freshman year, my, my high school coach was big into kind of on on pretty big volume. And we, we had some disagreements with that. And um, and, and part of the reason that that, that sophomore breakthrough in, in cross country was big was because we had made a deal that he would let me uh, try running lower mileage. Um, but if I didn't finish top 10 in state, or no, what do you Top 25, maybe. Then I had to go back to doing mileage. And so I was like, I'm not just going to finish top 25. I'm going to finish top 10. So that's kind of why I was really, you know, hellbent on, on being in the top 10. Um, so that was the part of the story I left out. So after that, my coach really was like, oh yeah, I mean, you didn't, you don't need mileage. Let's try something different. And so we always did heart rate training, but he tweaked it a little bit and we did more intensity and Uh, and, but we always went on the, on the recovery based on heart rate. So we did like a lot of intervals, really consistent, uh, interval training, like in track season, we'd start off with like 20, uh, 400s based on heart rate. Um, and then we'd go down throughout the season and by the end of the season, it'd be like eight. So in the beginning of the season, I might do like 20 times, 71, 72. And by the end of the year, I was doing eight and like 58, 59. Uh, and with how much ever recovery my heart needed. So that was kind of a cool thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then we would do like a, our secondary workout would vary from week to week, but it was always heart rate based. Um, I didn't really do a long run. Um, my, my longest run in, in high school was like a typical eight. And I did a couple of 10 milers, but I didn't really do any long runs. And that was probably my own. Uh, we They used to do them until I came along. Um, so I probably <laughs> undid that, but that's probably something that I should have uh, kept over from the, from the previous days. Cause I think it was, that's probably why I wasn't as competitive on the national scene as, as I could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was really great. And I really, I really enjoyed it and the heart rate really individualized it. So it kind of sucked sometimes, like if your heart rate was like when you were fit and you only got like 30 seconds between intervals, you're just like, gosh. He was kind of like trying to figure out how to get yourself excited so you wouldn't get a little more rest but uh it was fun though
0: uh, so now being coaches yourselves like is there a lot that you'd go back and change about either the way you coached Amy or the the training you did you know back in high school
1: I probably do I'd probably do better with the fundamentals like learning um more of the the drills and being a little bit crisper with things. Um, I'd probably do more strides and stuff back then more barefoot stuff, maybe, um, just kind of getting some of the, the base work in just the, the, just the little things, right. Like, um, Mm -hmm. more stretching some of the, I think just stuff that, you know, that are going to pop up with injuries later, maybe. Okay. Yeah.
2: I mean, for me, I, I wish they would have had some kind of asthma, asthma medication because that would have made my life <laughs> better. Um, but really the only thing training wise that I would have changed is probably just adding a long run. I mean, my, my coach was really thorough. Like we had a very good, like up routine, stretching, um, uh, like ballistic stretching, like a really good stuff there. And, you know, like, uh, a lot of like core type stuff. We didn't really go in and, and hit it hard in the weight room or anything. Um, just really, it was a pretty comprehensive program. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, for a school with 300 people to have myself made it to the locker and then a girl, on uh, Nicole Williams made it a couple of years later. So like for that level of success and that size of school, I mean, I think it was a pretty good program, but yeah, that's really the only thing I would change in the long run.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, you guys have already mentioned a lot uh, of different accomplishments and moments, but do you have a favorite, like one or two moments from your time in high school?
2: Uh, for me, I definitely, I, th- I think it was when my teammate and I, we made it to state my senior year and we finished third with just two people. Um, and wow. in a school, with 300 people, we had, we had two people there and we we finished third uh, cause I, I was, I won the mile and two and then he was on like fourth or fifth maybe in the mile. And so that ended up cause it was a very, very, a lot of really good teams. So it kind of spread it spread the points out. And we were actually like, we were actually in first or second, so maybe second going into the four by four. And then we got passed by a couple of teams, but it was pretty cool. Like just to to have that, that level of success, um, with, with two guys. And he was, he was definitely like my best friend all through high school. And we kind of, uh, you know, he's my, my, my most consistent training partner and it was just, uh, it was really fun to go down there, um, with just two people and kind of take on uh, all the big schools, um, with just two small town guys that's awesome
0: what about you amy
1: oh um probably probably getting probably second at footlocker and then making the junior world team i think um it just kind of solidified that i wanted to to keep running on that level i think
0: yeah so being are accomplishing so much on like the national level was it tough to like come back to a smaller town and like just enjoy day-to-day training and being around maybe some like slower people. <laughs>
1: um, so as soon as I started doing well, my parents always took me to places where I would get beat so that I didn't get used to winning, which I I think was huge. I think when people stay in their area and they get used to being the best, I think it um I, it just doesn't keep you motivated. And, and also back then there wasn't social media, right? So we only got the magazine once a month and that would be the results from last month's, You know, and the people in California are already running fast. So you didn't really even know what they were doing right now. So mm. you were always like, ooh. Um, so there wasn't an instantaneous thing. So you never knew what people were doing or how fast they were running. Um, but at least my parents always tried to take me to places to- you know, to get beaten, to run against faster people. So that it, I didn't get complacent. I guess that's mm. the best way to put
0: it. Yeah. Uh, when did college come into the picture for, for both of you? Did you guys know all along that you wanted to run in college? And what was, I guess, the, the process of ending up at Arkansas eventually? Um, how'd that come about?
1: Um, I mean, you, you're you a year older. Yeah, yeah, I go first. Okay, so
0: <laughs> I I chose the wrong school first. So
2: the internet wasn't a thing back then. Um, it started when I was in college, actually. Um, and so I went to Wisconsin and did not realize that the coach there was a nut. And so I went there <laughs> and hated it, just hated it. You
1: only took one visit, um,
2: too. Yeah, I took one visit. So he, he kind of tricked me. So I went to Wisconsin. I had four other visits planned. And... You know, I'm a small town guy, know nothing of the world outside of my small town. And he's like, Yeah, don't waste these colleges' money. If you know if you like Wisconsin, why go anywhere else? Just come here, you know? (laughs) And I was like, Oh yeah, that's a lot of money for a plane ticket. So I didn't go. And so I went there. And and if I would have gone anywhere else, they probably would have told me that this guy was a nut. He's a really (laughs) great recruiter, but he's just like he's a dictator when it comes to coaching and just like very Mm -hmm. intense. Um, and I came from a coach that I don't think I ever heard him swear. Um, he probably apologized if he, if he said, shoot. Um, and then I, I went to the program at Wisconsin where, you know, we counted one time and he he dropped the F-bomb 45 times in a minute when he was going <laughs> off with somebody. So like just a very intense program. Uh, the closest thing I've ever been to depressed was there. Uh, I used to go on like four hour walks in the negative 20 wind chills of Wisconsin. Cause I was just, you know, miserable. And so Amy had gone to Arkansas and I wanted to actually look at a bunch of different schools. I wanted to look at a couple of different options. And the coach was like, I'm only releasing you to Arkansas because I don't, I can talk that away. I can say that you went for your girlfriend, but if you go to Oklahoma state or I can't remember where else I was going to look. Um, but he's like, if you go to any of those other schools, like I I can't say that, but if you go there, I can, I, so I had to like, I had to go to Arkansas. I didn't have a choice. Um, and it ended up working out. Okay. For me. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. I had great teammates, a great, a legendary coach, uh part of a lot of national championship teams. So it ended up being a really good thing for me. But it's probably honestly not what I would have chosen if I would have uh would have had the chance.
0: Yeah. So for the let's say the high school senior or junior right now, like how do you really get to know a program? I guess being kind of being on the other side of it, like do you have any advice? Uh I think did it
2: right. So I would say my advice would be. Take all five visits but i think the way amy did it is is good so i'll let you tell i'll let her tell you how she chose which i thought was really smart for her age and all that kind of stuff
1: <laughs> I made like a rubric <laughs> and i every every trip i went on i then graded each aspect of uh, the city the university um the weather the weather the places <laughs> to run the tracks the training room uh, the teammates, my academic degree, you know, how far it was from home, whether it was a plane ride or drive. Uh, so I, I literally graded each, each visit and decided, you know, based on, and I made sure to, to grade it after each trip. Um, and then it, and then I would see, you know, with the rubric, you know, which one scored the highest and then kind of pros and cons of all of them. And, so I just, I really just went that way. And then, um, you know, I talked to all the coaches about the training and now you can do, you can still do that. You can still do the visits, talk to the coaches about the training, talk to the athletes. Um, but you can also, you know, check social media and, and really Mm -hmm. kind of follow the athletes that are there or the athletes that left and, and see if that's the kind of atmosphere, even though social media is not always what it appears to be, but, um, you can kind of get a good idea of of people. And then now, you know, you can DM people and ask them, why'd you leave? And you can DM people and ask them if they like it. So I think you really have to do your homework because it is, it's a four to five year commitment. And if you don't like the people that you're with, if you don't like the area or the city. I mean, you're, if you're if you're gonna be injured, you're gonna be there and your teammates are gonna be traveling. So you're gonna be by yourself. Or you're gonna be at mm. the university. If you don't like it when you're injured, um, that's that's a really long season. And if you don't like the people, that's a really long three seasons because unfortunately you have cross country, indoor and outdoor, and you are with them so many weekends and <laughs> so many days. And so, and so you really need to enjoy the people and the place. Um, and so, I would really encourage you to do your homework and, and to take it seriously when you go,
0: yeah. well,, um, so was Arkansas Arkansas the clear winner? Were you close to going anywhere else?
1: I, it really was the clear winner. It was it was the smallest university that I visited. Um, they actually were the only program at the time that had separate men's and women's. they had separate men's and women's training rooms and academic centers and coaches. So I liked it for that very reason. And I liked that um, really Arkansas was all there was. So they didn't have to compete for the attention of anything else in town. So everybody loved the Razorbacks. Right. So That was the fun part about it.
0: Yeah. Andrew, for you, if you had the option or if you were able to go somewhere else besides Arkansas, do you think you would have?
2: I mean, I think if I would have taken all my visits, I would have ended up at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um 'Cause uh Vin Lanana's a really good coach and I I probably would have uh had a very different life if I would have gone to Stanford. So I honestly like <laughs> I, I think the path I took was good for me because it really made me appreciate uh why I love the sport. And I, you know, I went from being dominant in anything I did in high school to getting my butt kicked in every workout, like I couldn't even win an interval. And I think if I wouldn't have appreciated it as much as I did after hating it for a year, I don't know that I would have been able to do as well and and stick through some of the injuries and stuff that I had early on in my, my career. um, So, you know, I, I think if it would have been great to go to Arkansas right out of high school because I lost a lot of my speed going to Wisconsin and, and uh just, we jogged all the time. So, I would have uh probably been more like a a fifteen hundred five k guy I think if I would have gone there and moved up to the ten k whereas by the time I got there I just lost a lot of my speed and uh and so I was kind of pigeonholed into the five and ten right off the bat so uh, but no I I think Arkansas would have been my choice uh hands down if if I would have if I could go back and do it again that's what I would do
0: yeah. So it seems like uh, like that experience at Wisconsin, it could have either gone one or two ways, like I never want to run again after this or like double down, like, okay, I really want to make this work, get into a better situation. Like, did you have moments of both or did you ever want to give up running?
2: Yeah, I mean, I had a full scholarship uh, basically when I went to Wisconsin and I was a walk-on when I went to Arkansas. And I honestly didn't get a scholarship again until after I finished. Uh, I was seventh in NCAA. I finished 16th and he didn't have money that year. Uh, and then I finished seventh and cross and then I finally got, uh, money after that. So I only really, I was really on, on scholarship for a year and a half after that. So I had student loans and all of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely taught me a lot. It made me appreciate it. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, it would have been kind of nice to see what I could have done if I would have gone straight to Arkansas. But I think from where I'm at today, some of the, some of the worst parts of my career, that being one of them, um, have shaped me to be the coach that I am today. And I, so, so I, you know, in hindsight, I don't regret any of it, but at the time I definitely could have had a more happy life if, uh, if I wouldn't have made that choice.
0: Yeah. So for both of you, how was the, the transition to Arkansas? Um, was it, was it pretty smooth? Like, did you guys gel with the, the team, the coach, everything?
1: Yeah, it was, it was pretty, you know, it was moving to the South so that it's always a little bit different, but, Um, you know, I was Andrew transferred down a couple weeks after I moved down there. And then, um, we dealt with the team really well. I I mean, I was in seven weddings, you know, (laughs) from my college days. Um, you know, I, I still keep in touch with some of them there. You know, I had incredible teammates, um, still talk to my college coach. He's actually retiring this year um i remember calling him when i got my first job being like wow how did you do this um and he laughed and he goes well your group was some of the best and i started laughing i'm like oh man i don't i don't want to know the worst ones (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean we were a good group but it's just funny um so yeah i think our transition was was really good we um at least we and i enjoyed being at arkansas
2: and the bar was low for me because oh, yeah, Wisconsin was yeah. so bad. I was like, Oh, wow. This is, you know, no one's cursing at me every other word. Like uh, yeah. I don't want to jump off a bridge. This is really great. You know? So, <laughs> um, I mean, the only thing that, that I wish, you know, in hindsight, like I, because I missed the freshman class, I was kind of like, I didn't fit in with anybody mm-hmm. for a while. Um, so, cause my freshman class had already kind of bonded and they were in the dorms together. I came in in year two. So I didn't, I didn't really gel with them and the new freshmen. I was older than them. And um and so I it took me a couple of years to really find good friends. Um, but like I said, it it was so bad before that uh it didn't matter. So I was like just happy to be there. And I think the only thing that was bad was probably that I relied too much on Amy that first year, mm-hmm. um, which probably wasn't good for her and uh definitely wasn't good for me. But by year two, it started uh, turning around and, and and things worked out. But Um, But yeah, it was, I I loved it. I love my time. Fayetteville is an amazing place. Um, John McDonald's, a legendary coach. Um, And, and again, wouldn't want to run for anybody else because I've, I've learned so much from him in my time there. So uh, definitely uh, feel lucky to have gone there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think five, five of us ended up marrying each other on the team. So so it's a lot of inner dating that, and they're still married. So it's kind of fun.
0: That's cool. Um, how was the transition? Kind of like personally away from home. Like, are you guys homebodies? Did you, were you excited to be somewhere new, somewhere fresh, or did you miss family, miss the hometown? How was that transition?
1: I mean, my parents kind of took me all over the place, so I was kind of used to being, um, you know, on the move. And and I got really lucky. My parents. Um, were able to come to almost every meet and I, I don't think they missed a competition of mine in college that I can think of. I don't think they missed at least one of them was there at every single one. So I got to see them all the time because you know how much you compete in college. I got to see them all the time. So I got really lucky with that. Um, so I didn't feel, I didn't really feel homesick uh, very much.
2: Yeah. I did a lot at Wisconsin and my parents came up all the time because uh, I, they knew I wasn't doing well. Um, and so that was, uh, but again, I went to Arkansas and things were just so much better. The, again, the bar was so low that I was just like happy in general. So my parents were also great. They would drive 15 hours overnight to come watch me race in all these different places. So they were at, you know, almost all of my big meets as well. Um, so you know, I, I don't, they visited me enough. I don't really feel like, and I had Amy there and, um, so I, and, and I, the thing I liked about Arkansas over Wisconsin is that Madison's a, a pretty big city in comparison. And at least at the time, I think Arkansas changed a little bit since, but it was pretty small town really. So I just felt more at home and then uh, just you know not being a little, uh, being happy made a big difference too. So I think it would have been harder to go to Arkansas from high school, from that perspective, because I think
1: mm-hmm. it would have
2: been a shock and I probably would have seen some of the things in a negative light. Whereas they were just so much better after going to Wisconsin. It made me appreciate them. Um, yeah. So I do think that that helped me to kind of embrace. I think anything would have been hard for me because coming from a town of a thousand people um, <laughs> was a big eye opener to, to what the world in, entailed uh, outside yeah. of, of Topeka.
0: Yeah. Um, and then like training wise, um, how different was the training from what you guys experienced in high school? Did you adjust well to it? Did you enjoy certain parts of it, not enjoy certain parts of it? Um, for me, I overtrained the first, in that
2: the first year I, I ended up being injured a lot because I was so competitive and I wanted to prove myself so much that at Arkansas, there was somebody running hard every day and I wasn't smart enough to recognize that I shouldn't run with whoever was running the fastest every day. So I was up there running like 50 minutes for 10 miles with Godfrey Siamusi one day and then, you know, Sean Cayley would be up there running 45 minutes for eight miles the next day and I'd be with him. And then I'd wonder why I couldn't, I couldn't hang in the workouts. And then one day, Sean, who ended up being my best friend in college, pulled me aside and he's like, "I got a question for you." And I'm like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Uh, "Are you uh, training to race or racing to train?" Mm. And I was like, "Uh, "I don't even know what that means." But he's (laughs) like, "Well, you just seem to be like racing all the time. Are you like, is that what you're doing? Is that what you enjoy? Or do you want to like train so that you can race well?" He's like, you have nothing left when you get to a race. And I was like, I guess I want to race. And he's like, okay, well, from now on, you're going to run with me on your easy days. No running with anybody but me on your easy days. And so, I mean, I didn't even slow down. We still ran hard. It was like six minute pace on our easy days and I ran with him. And then I was 16th in cross country that, that year. So I went from like being the eighth man on the team to the, I don't know if it was third or fourth, but 16th in in, NCAAs and helped to win the, the national championship. And then I would, then from that point, my career started to turn around, but it took me like a year and a half to get there. And I wish I would have, uh, cause Arkansas was reasonable if you, if you were smart, but coach McDonald wanted you to kind of figure it out on your own. Um, and I was a little naive and a little overzealous and it might've been nice if, you know, looking back, I wish he just would have taken me aside and just be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, calm down, you know, but I'm glad Sean did and, and ended up kind of south. Cause if I, if he wouldn't have pulled me aside, I probably just never would have done anything. So, but I loved, once I got into it and I took my easy days easy, it was just so fun and it was just great to have world-class people every day to train with Um, and just really made you better. Uh, And, and it was, was very, I mean, just, it was also great to win a national championship pretty much every season. So that didn't hurt.
0: Yeah. Was a lot of it just like your competitive nature? You wanted to to prove yourself, new team, things like that?
2: Yeah, I just, I mean, in, in high school, I was just used to like winning everything. And then at Wisconsin, I was so controlled. Like he would yell at you if you ran a second too fast or like he'd stop your workout earlier if you didn't, if you didn't um, like one of the things he would do is if you were off pace on the interval, he would start the workout over. And then he would just like tell you he'd make up the workout as he went. So like, I just, I had no control. And I just felt like I was always held back. And then I went to Arkansas and all of a sudden it's like, Hey, do what you think is right. And then I just went nuts. um, (laughs) And and overdid it. But uh, so I, 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 that probably would have been a better thing if I would have gone from, from high school to Arkansas. I don't think I would have been quite as crazy, um, but it ended up working out. And I, again, a lot of the mistakes I made have, Shaped me to be a better coach, so uh, might have been a price for my own career, but uh, it ends up benefiting the the athletes we coach
0: today, for sure. What about for you, Amy? How was the transition to to training? How was the experience like?
1: So I'm, I'm mostly trained by myself um, in high school, so having training partners was really fun. Um, and then you know, we recruited, and I had a good time just you know, every time we'd go somewhere and someone didn't look happy, I'd be like, oh, come join us, you know, (laughs) transfer um, to come join us. And uh, so that was really fun. Uh, You know, it it was, it was good. I I enjoyed working. uh, It was hillier than I'd grown up with. So getting used to the hills was, was harder. Um, But other than that, like, I thought it was, you know, because Andrew had been coaching me my senior year, I think that was a pretty easy transition from there.
0: For sure, and you both accomplished a lot at Arkansas. Do you guys have a favorite accomplishment or a favorite moment or two during your time then?
1: So I think for me, I think conference is always um, the ones that I, because I I would you know run three or four events. So I'd run the you know indoor. I'd do the fifteen, three, five, and then the DMR, and outdoor. I did the Um, we had the three, five and 10 back then. So I would do the three, five and 10, um, you know, an outdoor. So, you know, just, um, running for the points and for the team and winning conference was, was huge. I think those are some of my favorite memories. I think the first time the men's team ever called the hogs for me was, was huge. That was so fun. Um, so I think those were some of my best memories.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for me is hands down when we won the national championship in Bloomington, um, my last year, my last year of cross country at Arkansas, like we, at the time it was the the record for the lowest score. Um, I mean, I think we were, my teammate was second. I was seventh and we were 10th and I want to say 16th or 18th and then 23rd or something like that. Wow. So like pretty, pretty low score. Um, and it was just like, we had both, both my teammate and I had, had gone in thinking that we could win. And we honestly like probably duped it out a little bit too much in practice at the end. Cause we were both really good. And we kind of got into a bit of a, you know, a a, a contest there at the end in practice and probably, uh, and probably cost ourselves a little bit, but I just remember like uh, being in the race and at 5k just felt like trash and just it, you know, it just, instantaneously I was like oh I can't win like I'm gonna try to make sure my teammate can so I just went over to him and I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna take off just like let me rabbit you like I'm not feeling it today and then it ended up working out for me because I just took off and made a huge move broke open the the field and I just got so far ahead of everybody else that he ended up getting second so it you know it was wasn't what he wanted but pretty darn close and then I ended up being um uh, seventh. So it, it, you know, it, it did pull me away from everybody. Cause I think if I would have let it go, I don't think I would have finished nearly as high. Cause I would just, wasn't feeling good that day. Um, Cause I left a lot, you know, on the, on the cross country course at home. Um, but again, more good lessons uh, that, that I, that I learned the hard way.
0: Definitely. Uh, going into college, what did you guys envision you'd be doing after college and then leaving college? What, uh, what did your, your career and life hold for you?
1: Oh, I know, right? So I I went into college thinking I'll go into nutrition and be a dietitian. And then I just, it was just too much thing. I just didn't want to like, think about that. Because, you know, you start doing that with with life. And then I thought I would, you know, go do veterinary school. And then I ended up doing kinesiology because I thought I'd go into PT school. So I ended up doing um biome- uh, exercise science biomechanics. So it's kind of where I, where I ended my journey of of college.
2: Yeah. For me, uh, I went to Wisconsin wanting to do, be a physical therapist. Um, and they had like a, a program where you did two years of undergrad and then you went straight into your, your physical therapy degree. And then I went to Arkansas and that screwed me over because I didn't have any of like the core classes that you need at a normal college. So I ended up like having to really it took me five and a half years to graduate because of that. Cause I couldn't get all of the classes in. Um, and then their program for PT was different. Like you you had to have a referral from a doctor and I talked to PTs and they're like, ah, you don't get to, and it's changed since then. But back then the doctor pretty much told the PT what to do. So you didn't really get any freedom to be creative or or to think for yourself. Um, and so I was like, I'm just going to be a doctor. And then, and then I did my internship and kind of fell in love with allergy and, and, uh, al- and asthma medicine uh, medicine. And that's kind of what I thought I was going to do. And then in my exit uh, interview at college, my academic advisor who I was pretty close with was just like, yeah, Drew, you know, I don't, I don't think you being a doctor is a good idea. And I'm like, what the hell? Like I'm down. is not the time to tell me that. Like, what do you mean? And she's like, look, you know, you and Amy are probably going to be over racing in Europe. And if you're in med school, you're not going to be able to do that. And you're going to be sitting at med school and Amy's going to be racing in Europe. And she's like, you know, more than, you know, I forget the stat. She said like 60% of marriages fail in med school. And I was just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you want me to do? And she's like, I don't know. I see like coaching, maybe like running a shoe store in bend Oregon or something. Like I don't see you being a doctor. And, uh, and I was just kind of blew it off. I was like, I was kind of mad, honestly, when I left. And then, it ended up like two of my friends went to med school and got divorced. So I was like, oh, shoot. So I was studying for the MCAT at the time. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. And so um, so I shifted. And then for after college, after about a year, I was like, I should go into college coaching. And I got offered a job. And then I didn't have something on the on the requirements, even though they, they didn't catch it ahead of time, I guess. And they like wanted me to lie about it. I'm like, I'm not going to lie about it. So then they're like... I mean, we had already like talked about recruiting. I had my switch, my cell phone, everything. And then at the very end, when they're doing the paperwork, they're like, we can't hire you. And I was was like, well, repost it. And they're like, we posted two jobs together. We'd have to post the throws job again if we posted your job again. And our throwers are going to leave if we don't do that. And our distance runners already suck. So we're just not going to do it. And so I was just like, well, screw this. And so I actually found a program through Northern Arizona where I could convert my degree to teaching and that was just kind of i knew that was a temporary job i was like i'm gonna do this till amy's done running because i was injured at the time i was kind of uh done with my career and i was like i'm gonna teach i get the summers off i can help train uh amy and then uh and then i'll maybe look at coaching again later down the road
0: okay uh so is this on the high school level or what uh what level are you teaching at yeah yeah i was
2: teaching uh when we moved to oregon uh i was teaching uh like biology at a little small science and tech school. Uh, and then I coached this school didn't have sports, so I coached at like it, it, another school in the district. Um, and I so I coached cross country uh, and and track on the high school level. Um, and then eventually just some pros kind of came across us and ended up coaching them. And that's kind of how I got into pro coaching,
0: okay. What about on the running side of things for both of you? um where did where did that take you after after college? But also like how, what was your relationship like with running, like leaving Arkansas? Did you still love it? Did you still want to pursue it? All that stuff.
2: going to go first and swing short? Sure. (laughs) Yeah. So my last year at Arkansas, so I got, so my, my senior, my true senior year, I ran indoor conference. I won conference, my first conference championship. I've been second, like four times at that point. So I won and was in phenomenal shape. Got mono. I uh, went to went to class. Saw this. There was one seat left, the back class. I was late. I knew I shouldn't sit in there, but I was like starting to leave. I heard something I didn't understand. I had like a 98% of the class too, which was dumb. I didn't even need to be there, but I'm like I want to hear about this. So I sat next to this dude. Ended up getting mono. So nationals, I tanked. I ended up like my liver was so swollen by the time they caught that I had mono because I I didn't. The regular mono test doesn't work for everybody. And I'm one of those rare people that it doesn't catch it. So you have to do the actual Epstein-Barr test. I didn't know that at the time. Uh, It was actually my internship. The doctor there caught it, or I never would have known. But my liver was so swollen at the time. They're like, you can't even run. Like your liver could, like you could rupture your liver. Like you can't, you you have to stop training. So I took a month off and then I trained on my own for a month. And then I went to the Olympic trials and I was 16th. And then my last year, I got a medical red shirt for that. And I trained my butt off all fall. And then I ran a 5K. And I I had been doing, I did 110 miles that week. So I knew I was going to feel tired. So normally I would be meticulous about my splits. But my coach and I had talked about, just don't listen to your splits because you're tired. They're probably going to be bad. You don't want to get negative. So I remember going through the mile in like 420 something. And then I just kind of tuned out. And then I get to like two laps to go and I'm like, damn, we went really slow. Like what happened? And then I got done and, you know, we were, I, I supposedly, I ran like 14, I don't even remember 14, 18 or something. And I got beat, I got out leaned or whatever, but I was like, oh, wow, that's really disappointing. So my coach was like, yeah, you should rabbit the next day. And so I did. And when I rabbited that next day, I got knocked off the track and just like destroyed my knee. Um, and so I tried to run my, my, college season was over. Um, and then I tried to run professionally and my knee just wasn't, wasn't the same. Um, yeah. so it kind of ended my career pretty quickly. I tried to run pro for like a year and then I just kind of, uh, just hung up the spikes and and moved on. But, uh, but yeah, so mine didn't end as as well as I wanted, but then to add insult to injury a few years later, this guy wanted us to, uh, come run this race in Arkansas and I was still running, but not like training. And I was like, you know, I'm not very good anymore. Like I'm maybe going to run 1430 for a 5k. And he's like, nah, I mean, I get that, but I've wanted to, I've wanted to talk to you ever since you graduated. And I was like, okay. And this guy was the starter at our, all of our races. And he brings us to lunch and he's just like, so I've wanted to tell you something for the last few years. And I just didn't know how to tell you. And I'm, you know, I appreciate you coming to this race. And he's like, I just wanted to apologize for ending your career. And I'm like, what do you mean you ended my career? And he's like, well, you know, when you ran that, that 5,200 meter race, I feel like if you would have, if I would have told you that it was 5,200 meters, you would have probably not rabbited the next day, but coach McDonald told me not to. So I didn't. And I was like, w- wait, I ran 5,200 meters. He's like, yeah, you, you know, I never know. We didn't have the internet back then. So I didn't know that I, I ran 5,200 meters. So I ran 14, 18 for 5,200 meters. So I ran incredibly fast. It would have been a PR, but yeah. I didn't know it. Um, and so I found out like three years later, so I probably wouldn't have rabbited, probably wouldn't have been in, but obviously it, it wasn't that guy's fault, but literally no one's fault. But, uh, um, but that was, that was my career in a nutshell. So mine is pretty
1: short. I know that was, that was a rough lunch. <laughs> uh, so I, I think my favorite end of college story is we were literally packing up to move and I have like. I don't know ripped up sweats on and like and my coach calls me says hey you need to come do this interview I was like well I'm literally packing the U-Haul and he's like no you need to come do this interview you got this award for SECs and I said okay fine well he forgot to tell me that it was like for all SEC athletes like of all the sports and so yeah, that was that was hilarious. Um, but that was that was like one of my last like memories of Arkansas, I was like doing this interview in like ripped up shorts <laughs> <laughs> back in the all. Um, but then I ended up running for Asics and then Adidas and then Nike. So I I kind of went through the gamut of of sponsors and and injuries. And Andrew coached me for my first six years. Um, I ran fifteen twenty four. Um, you know, I was in the top ten at nationals. You know, running the Olympic trials, but we just quite couldn't get that next level. Um, and probably most of it is, you know, it's hard to push your wife to that next level, right? I mean, that's that's a whole nother pain scale that you got to get to. Exactly. Um, and so, um, after Adidas dropped me, we decided we needed some, you know, to change. So I called Gags and Gags said hey you know I really don't have anybody here to train with um you know but I think Kara's looking for a training partner so I called Kara and then um went out there and interviewed with them and and joined the Oregon project for there so Andrew coached me for my first six years and then Alberto coached me for six years and then I tried to run another probably a year after that um and you know Andrew and I were you know incredibly competitive with each other and, and also with um you know and just with running and there were years I was injured especially when like Adidas dropped me and there were years that I had you know rough patches but Andrew and my parents would always say give it one more year give it one more year and and I'm glad they did you know because society is always saying you know you know what are you gonna, when are you gonna have kids when are you gonna get a job and you know society is kind of the one that in the back of your head kind of gnawing at you to do something differently but my parents and Andrew kept saying one more year give it one more year you know we know that there's more there and if they hadn't have said that and they hadn't supported that then I definitely would have quit long before I did um, but eventually it was just my body and injuries that gave out but it was fun I had a great career and um, you know I made the Olympic team when I was 30 years old so um, it is distance running for women is a very long game so hmm. you know 18 year olds that's there's a, so much left <laughs> so much left in their career
0: yeah so when they were telling you this that you had like more more to give did you believe them
1: sometimes I did um but it's just you know you see um you know sometimes you see people accomplishing things you you know before you or you just see you know your siblings are having kids or you know people are you know having jobs and buying houses and you know you're you're renting and you're doing you know all these things and so you just think that you should be on a different in a different place or a different whatever but I also they also were probably looking at me thinking I wish I could travel the world and you know do all these things and Mm. my family would call me the vagabond because you'd have to really write my back then you didn't have your phone to put stuff in. You you know write everybody's addresses down in an address book, and everybody wrote mine in pencil because I was changing every seven to nine months where I was at. Right, um, and so I had an amazing career because of that. You know, running took me all over the U.S. and all over the world, and um, and I I was incredibly lucky for that.
0: Yeah. So you said you felt like there was some outside pressure, or at least by like society, maybe even some people in your life, to to settle down to do follow a more traditional path. Do you have any regrets about continuing running and accomplishing all that you did?
1: I don't know. Um, I, yeah, you know, I, I definitely would, um, I would definitely pursue it all over again. Um, I think looking back now, I know maybe what to look for in maybe like training groups and, and resources that would be helpful. Um, you know, places to train, you know, things like that. You know, back then, you know, like I said, the internet still wasn't great. I hate trying to find places to move and live and and do all these things. Um, You know, I probably would have gotten an agent earlier in my career. Um, I wouldn't have waited to do some things. And I think that's where I'm a different coach than others because um, you always think there's going to be, I mean there's a difference between chasing times and money and experiences and you have to decide what's important to you and I always thought there would be another year of this or another year of that and and sometimes you put things off or put races off or put experiences off mm-hmm. because you think there will be another one and and sometimes when you're fit, you just need to take advantage of it mm-hmm. you know and take advantages of the of those things. Um, and it, I think it depends where you are in your career as well, but there's not always next year, especially as as you get older. And I think um, taking advantage of of some of those experiences when you can is is a good thing.
0: Yeah. What yeah. uh What motivated you or what kept you going throughout all those years?
1: I mean, I wanted to make the Olympic team, and then when I made the Olympic team, um, you know, it wasn't quite what I wanted, and uh, but I I had told myself. You know give yourself eighteen more months and then make the Olympic team and you know call it a you know call it a career. And I did that, and then it just didn't sit well how I did. And so I said, mm-hmm. all right, let's let's try again. um And the next year ended up being amazing because i was I was running to prove that I did belong on that level. Mm. So, hey, I will show you years kind of what two thousand and nine became for me. Okay. <laughs> and it was I ran really well with that,
0: so, yeah. Did you like uh battle with any like imposter syndrome? Like, do I those kind of the doubts that you alluded to? Like, do I really belong here? And like how did you kind of fight that?
1: I think it's um that that one's hard because you know, I, I made the Olympic team, but I was lapped twice in my race at the Olympics, right? So <laughs> You know, when your coach sits you down and shows you all these people that are way better than you and yeah, you made the Olympics, but you made it for the US and there's hundreds and hundreds of people that are better than you. So it was really kind of a a fluke thing. So when you get told, when you literally get told that um, by your coach, um, it is becomes more than an imposter syndrome. You actually get told you, you know, that- mm-hmm. You made it, but don't really belong there. Uh, so for me, it was a, I'm going to prove to myself and everyone else that I do belong there. So I think for me, it was a, I'm going to fight this um, imposter syndrome. I'm going to fight this, you know, this belief in this, what people have told me, because I, you know, I'm training with some really incredible women and they're doing incredible things. So I'm going to show that I also belong to be there as well.
0: Have you always had that kind of mentality, like I'll I'll show you kind of mentality?
1: Pretty much. Yeah. If I wasn't if I wasn't as stubborn as I am, <laughs> yeah, that was a
0: regular
2: thing. That yeah, was frustrating coaching her because she yeah she was regularly. I I can remember she so she when I was coaching her, she as she said she was like her fi- highest finish at on, on the track was seventh, at nationals um she was ninth in both the five and ten in the in the olympic trials but seventh was her best in a 5k i think it was like 2005 or six can't remember what year it was and but she won one road title and she was second another time and the time that she won we were living in albuquerque at the time and we had workouts and we're doing hill repeats. Um, it wasn't supposed to be, it was like a secondary workout. It wasn't supposed to be super hard, but I wanted to get like a pretty solid effort in. And so she was supposed to, I can't remember the splits now, but she was supposed to run like, I don't know, uh, 75 uphill and 70 seconds downhill or something. And she was running like 80 seconds uphill and 75 seconds downhill. And I'm just like, what the heck are you doing? Like, what's wrong? Are you sick? Like, and she's just like, don't worry. I'm going to win the race. And she's just like, I always like that. Just like talk trash to me. Like, I ah, no, don't like, don't, I don't need to run fast today. I'll run fast when it counts. And then it was Alberto was, was kind of uh, a jackass and there's no other nice way to put it. But the, one of the highlights of him being a jerk when I actually enjoyed it was one of our, our one of her first workouts were at the track and Amy has a bad workout and she's like, yeah it's all good. I'm a, I'm a racer. I'm not a trainer. And Alberto just looks at her and he's like, that's why you're a mediocre racer. He's oh. like, if you sandbag your training, you're never going to be a top racer. And Amy was like so mad, but I was, that was what, there were a lot of times that I kind of cringed at some of the things he said, but I was kind of laughing at that one. I kind of liked it. So that was uh that was, a, that was a good one. That was a good one for me. I, I was like, yeah, huh, that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, no. So it it was uh she definitely had that attitude of like, I'll show you. Um, and, and uh, you know, it, it kind of um, she lost it a little bit when she first went to the Oregon project because she was just kind of beaten down a lot um, emotionally, but you know, she got it back at the end. And I think that that was uh fun to see uh, kind of the end of her career with that, that fire. And she PR and everything from the 800 to the half marathon in 2009. Wow. So it's a pretty fun year.
0: Yeah. Let's say so. So you guys are both now coaching for the Atlanta track club. Um could you share a little bit about how that came about? What was the journey to to now both coaching full-time?
1: Yeah, so when we when I decided to retire the first year out, I didn't um I tried to go to PT school, but all of my classes were too old. So I used the USOPC kind of networking and job stuff, and they helped you do all this stuff. And the first year I tried to apply for college jobs, I didn't get any offers. And then the second year I tried to apply, I did networked and talked to everybody, spent a year doing that. And then I got offered a couple of different jobs and decided to take the UConn job. So I, I coached at UConn for a year and a half. And then Jack Wickens, uh, who's the, he was on the USA Trek and Field Foundation board. And I'd got to know him a little bit. And he said, Hey, there's this job in Atlanta Trek Club that I think you'd be amazing for. So I applied for it, interviewed, took like this whole three-month process. And as I'm being offered the job, they're like, well, what we've learned is this is more than a one-person job. And you talk about Andrew all the time. And I know he's, you know, coaching with you at UConn. And so we'd like to hire both of you. So he didn't have to do a three-month interview process, but you know, whatever. <laughs> so we moved down there and um, we moved some of the women down because we had started, we tried to start also a women's group. At UConn as well, so post collegiate group. Mm-hmm. So we ended up renting a house from my cousin in outside of Atlanta, and it had like six bedrooms. So um, we had like most of the team living with us at the time, right. and we started the team, and uh, we had some. We had a it had an apartment, basement, and all sorts of stuff. So. It was a rough couple first years and then we started being able to recruit some athletes. Um, so that was 20, end of 2014.
2: No 16. So in 20. Yeah. Well you, you got, we got, we got our, our first real good recruit in 20, what, 2014, 2015. And then yeah. Brandon Lasseter, uh, out of Georgia tech, we got him in 2016 and he started, he stayed with his college coach through the trials and then he, he switched over to us. And then he ended up kind of, Putting us on the map as a middle distance program because he went out and ran 145 um, without super shoes and um, and this is a guy that was like a you know two flat 800 guy and in, in college in, in high school walked on worked his way through college got down to like 147 hadn't really made nationals and then he ended up you know making the U.S. team for the acts and really put us on the map and really kind of opened the door um to to getting better recruits and kind of taking the next step so he's kind of like the foundational athlete that really got us started and and helped us to take off
0: yeah what uh so you guys are you guys are still there um what have been some of the the key I guess lessons that you've learned as coaches so far uh maybe what would you go back and tell kind of your first day of coaching self what's like the the process been I I think I you know
2: I had like a love-hate relationship with with Alberto because I obviously had a lot of respect for him because he was a good coach, but I also hated how he treated people and how he he handled a lot of things. Um, And so I knew I wanted to be different. And that was one of the things. I think a lot of the things that I learned, there were some good things I learned from the Oregon Project. um, But most of the things I learned were bad things, things to avoid. So um that was important to both of amy and i we sat down with rich and we planned out what we wanted to do that was paramount front and center to what we wanted to do we wanted to treat athletes well and not mistreat them and i think early on in my career i did have that like you know my way or highway approach to it like you need to do this and i would get (laughs) i'd send angry emails and uh just kind of be really hard on the athletes and then i learned you know amy and i just every season we always evaluate ourselves and we listen to athletes tell us what went well, what didn't go well, what can we do better type of thing. And we were just getting like, you know, a lot of, of feelings like we're never going to convince some of these athletes to be good. Some of them have wanted it on their own and they really take off and they excel. The ones that we push, they're no more likely to succeed than the ones that do it on their own. So we just decided as coaches, like, we're, we're going to present them with the knowledge that we have and tell them how to get there. And we're going to try to talk them in gradually to getting to where they need to go, but we're not going to force it. And so everything that our athletes do is because they want to do it and they feel like it's the right thing. And none of, no athlete on our team is doing something because we say, do this or else. And I think that's the big thing I learned. And it took me a few years to get there. But since then... You get more buy-in and the athletes, they see that you believe in them and you're being patient with them and you're trying to teach them. And I think they just really, it's, you create better relationships with them and they just, they uh, appreciate your patience and, and the time you're spending with them and they buy in more and it, that's just really snowballed and, and and taking us to the next level. How about you? Any?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's so many things you know, we, we have a niche here of taking athletes that, you know, maybe never made NCAA nationals or athletes that have been injured or athletes, you know Um but what I've learned is there's only so much you can fix, right. You can fix some of those things, but you can't fix that, uh, that will, and that wanted. And um, you know, a lot of athletes can give 90% and the, athlete that can give 100% is is rare Um, the athlete that wants it at the end of the race the athlete that you know races to a new level that's not teachable (laughs) it really isn't Um, they either have it or they don't or they figure it out and they get it Um, and those are things that we're learning that yeah that that's a hard one
0: yeah so these athletes are kind of trusting you guys with the kind of the prime of their their career. Do you feel a lot of like pressure to to deliver for them?
1: Yeah, I mean, you you want to give them, you know, everything that you have and you know, yeah, making making a mistake can cost them a lot. So it it's, you know, it it's one of those things where you don't want to make a mistake um but there is a learning curve to learning every athlete and um you know and that's why you have to present them with every option and at the end of the day it, it really has to be their choice um on which races to run and and you know um, yeah and we have you know great doctors and pts and you know with injuries at the end of a season or injuries at the middle of season making that decision whether to push through the season or not push through the season. I mean, you give them every option, every choice, you walk them through every risk and every, you know, and at the end of the day, they, they're the ones that have to make that decision.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, What have been some, some highlights of your your coaching career so far?
1: I think the one that I would laugh about now, but one of our first athletes um, he's, coaching now patrick peterson um we have a good laugh about it because um he ran this race and you know i was in the middle of the field and it's dark whatever and he did not run well and i go up to him after the race and i say to him wow what was that shit show <laughs> and turns around and he's covered in blood because he had gotten a bloody nose and had been wiping it like just everywhere. And I look at him and I'm like, wow. And he starts laughing. I start laughing and I was like, okay, from now on, I'm going to do a 360 view of the athlete, (laughs) ask them any questions whatsoever about any workout and or race. So we laugh about it now, but I'm like, "Wow, all right, don't That's open mouth thing. until you get a 360 view of the athletes."
0: <laughs> Good advice. Yeah, I mean,
2: for me, I think it was uh, when when uh, you know Brandon Lassiter, uh made the NACAC team. He was fourth at the U.S. Championships. It was really our first time finishing at a, you know a really high level um, at at a U.S. Championship, and then I think you know that would be right on par with. Um, in 2019, when Yolanda Garambe, um, our our Swedish athlete, um, who was one of the founding members of, she was with our, with us when we were in Connecticut came down here with us, she ended up making the world team. Um, I think those, those two kind of stand out and there's obviously like, you know, Allie and Olivia and, and so many others, you know, Shane setting the U S record. There's been so many great ones. Those just stand out a, a little bit. In my mind, just because they were there are the first time, like the first time being on the national level and like people saying, like, oh, like they might actually know how to coach, you know, and then going to the world championships for the first time with an athlete, like uh that that's been had been that we had taken from, you know, not making it to NCAAs and now making the semifinals at the world championships. Like those are just always, I think, gonna be special because they're like the first big breakthroughs. Um, you know, and I'm sure. The, the first time, you know, we get somebody to the finals and the first time we, we get somebody on the podium is probably going to be right up there. But I think those first always stand out in your mind. Cause it's like, you've been working so hard to get there. And it just means a lot when you finally like are able to achieve those goals that you have in the back of your mind.
0: Yeah. So being like elite athletes yourselves, being super driven and having accomplished a lot, is it hard as coaches to not want to like be out there doing it yourself or like just shake them to like be as motivated as you once were, That those kind of things?
1: I think years ago, you used to, there used to be this like in the back of your brain, but that is long gone. Um, <laughs> I think for me, the hardest is knowing what they're capable of and hoping that they have the confidence in themselves that we have in them, right? I mean, I think that's the only time I just really want to just be like, he, you know, you tell them what they're ready to do, but you just hope that they believe it and, and go do it.
2: I mean, I think for me, um, you know, we, we are just lucky now to have the luxury of being able to recruit people that we really believe in. And we don't really have to go out and, and um try to, to get talent now. I mean, a lot of it just kind of comes to us and so it's a little different now. I think at one point there was that where the people that were here maybe just didn't have any other choices or, you know, they they weren't really sold on it, but that this was just their best deal. And I, I truly feel like the people that we have here now um, want to be here and they chose us and we chose them. And I think that just forges a partnership that allows us to have a lot more faith in each other. Um, and so I don't, I used to get that a lot, you know, like where I was like, ah, you know, I used to do this or, you know, you can do this. And now I just, I have a lot of respect for who we have on our team. And I think I don't have any days where I'm like, "Uh, these guys aren't, you know, I mean, there might be some mental things they have to get through or like believing in themselves or like Amy said, seeing what you see, but everyone's out there busting their butts now and they're giving us what they have and they're not perfect um but they all are aspiring to be and at their own pace um and that's just really refreshing and really fun to have a team um like that that you're coaching because you just really believe in what you're doing and you believe in all of them and when you have those people you know we have a couple right now that are starting to emerge and are gonna are gonna be um right up there with Allie and and Olivia over the next um you know six months to a year and it's fun because you see it And now we have some people on our team that have been through it themselves and they can see it. Mm -hmm. Like Yolanda can be like, oh, so-and-so they're, they're doing it now. Like I can see it. Like, this is what I did. And it's just fun to have that. Now we not only have talent, but we also have some history and that just really helps us to as coaches to not have to teach everything. Cause we've got people on our team that are great mentors and, you know, could likely be good coaches uh, on their own right at some point. Absolutely.
0: For this next question, feel free to share as much or as little as you'd like, but could you give kind of a a brief overview of your training philosophy, maybe like key workouts, mileage, uh, progressions, things like that, anything you want to share would be awesome. Um, Yeah, I'll do the mid-distance, you want to do distance? Sure. So uh,
2: mid-distance wise, um, we... Our big thing is, is like, we really believe in the the idea that everyone's an experiment of one. So we don't really come in and say like, oh, this is what you did in college. This is what you need to do now. We really try to learn the athlete, get a, you know, a, a comprehensive background of what they did, what they felt like could have been better. And, and, and each, each season we sit down and, and talk to them about like, what went well, what didn't, what can we do better? What can you do better? And we try to help them figure it out. But, you know, one of the things is that we really believe in, that you want to stack your efforts. And that's one of the things I think, one of the good things I took away from the Oregon Project is like, you know, you don't need to run hard every day. You need, because that's not what racing is. Racing is running hard once a week, or if you're in a middle distance, you know, two or three times over a few days, it's not running hard every day. So it's really valuing the rest and recovery. And for us, that means some of our athletes only run four days a week and they cross train on the other days. Some of them take a day off every week. And, um, but those days that we work hard, we work hard and they are, they're pushing the long runs and they're pushing two workouts a week. And we, and we really, uh, work them really hard when they do it and they're really tired and, and sometimes they are cursing at us under their breath, but they know if they can survive it and they can do it. It's that when they get to the start line, nothing they're going to experience in a race is going to be harder than what they experience in practice and you know key workouts I think you know we we've kind of you know kind of taken little pieces from different programs and and implemented into our own like we have some Arkansas workouts we have some Joe Hill workouts we have some workouts that we took from Amy's time at UConn with JJ Clark and just different things that we've kind of put together a lot of gags uh, as an influence um, so it's, it's really just kind of a hodgepodge and then we kind of figure out what what things work for each athlete and it is very different um but you know we we definitely believe even the middle distance athletes need a really strong uh it's not really cross country for them because they don't really race cross country but a strong base season in the fall and we really don't race much and they do a lot of a lot more volume and like long repeats like you know mile repeats and whatnot and in the fall we we do the longer stuff but then we we kind of hit the the extremes. So we do like the longer repeats, like the mile repeats and whatnot, but then we'll do a lot of speed development too. So they may do, you know, four to six by a mile, uh, but then they'll do six by 60 Hills all out afterwards when they're tired. So things like that. And then, you know, we just, we're very gradual. We're not a team that's going out there and trying to be at our being a, a small distance from our peak all the way through the season and then having a little bit of a peak, we really believe in building throughout the season mm-hmm. um, and being at your best at the end of the season. So it's really a build. So they're not doing a lot of speed work in indoor. It's a lot of strength based stuff, some race pace stuff, but nothing all out. And then as we get into the outdoor season, it just becomes more, more and more um, uh, race specific stuff and speed work and, and, you know, uh, lactic acid work and that kind of stuff. So um, have, uh, there aren't really any, I mean, I think the, the basic bones of a workout that is kind of our go-to is, is, uh, I, we call it like uh, fast, strong, fast. So it's something fast. At the beginning, it could be anything from a f- 600 meter time trial to, you know, some 400s at mile pace. And then some aerobic work in the middle it could be anything from 600s to, uh, a tempo. Uh, and, and usually that's anywhere from three to four miles worth of volume. And then at the end, race specific stuff again. So it might be, you know, some 300s or 400s at mile pace or some 200s at 800 pace um and that's kind of we have literally hundreds of variations of that workout and that's kind of our go-to bread and butter workout um throughout the track season so and the names you want to go with
1: the and then this for the for right now we really have 800 1500 and marathoners for the marathoners you know their marathon block uh, the first half is really kind of 10 K half marathon training, um, you know, just building up the intervals uh, at those paces. And then the second half is really more marathon uh, specific stuff, more marathon specific workouts and the intervals get longer. The long runs get longer, obviously, um, you know, with our main workout being a what we call the two hour run where they'll go, um, they'll start with maybe, like, 35 minutes at, um, at like, marathon pace, and then they'll go, um, you know, 25 minutes at, and then they'll go, like, five minutes easy, and then they'll go, like, 25 minutes at, um, you know, another, I think, what, marathon, half marathon, marathon.
2: Yeah, I mean, it can be, it. we have a lot of different
1: it, variations. It kind but... of varies, but, you know, you end with, um, you know, you end with, with getting faster. And so whatever, like, for example, some of our guys have gotten 22 plus miles in, in that uh, time. No,
2: 24 for McDonald. McDonald, Yeah. 24. Yeah. They get, um, they get pretty far in that
1: time. So we do, you know, just kind of very various workouts throughout there. So
2: yeah, there's, a, again, it's like, it's very individualized there. So yeah. like that two hour run can be, it, it adds up to two hours plus a mile cool down. So whatever that ends up being, but um, like, it can be just different times and it kind of depends what they need at that point in time but it's like some time at half marathon time at pace half marathon pace and some time at marathon pace Hmm. um and there's and there's a lot of different variations of it but yeah that's our
0: bread and butter well i appreciate you guys sharing that uh what about the flip side of that coin like what kind of uh culture are you guys trying to build you've shared i feel you touched on this here and there uh but is there anything else you'd add to kind of what the the culture you want to see on your team going forward
1: Hmm. i think you know it it's it's tough because on the pro side it's hard for a lot of athletes to go from college to pro because you know like i even talked about some of my best memories were racing for points at conference so when they leave college it's hard racing for yourself now and not for points um but being on a team like this it's it's still finding the joy in seeing your teammates do well Um, but it gets hard when they're also going for spots that you want to go for too right so you try to have a team that's you know well balanced with enough people in different events and also different countries so that you're not always taking each other's spots Um, but you also need a team that can push each other and that's a variety of athletes you know so we have athletes in the 800 that are Some are, you know, come from a sprint background, some come from a more distance background. So they can help each other with various parts of workouts. I think that's pretty key as well in in building a team.
2: Yeah. I mean, for us, like, you know, as I said earlier, kind of alluded to it, like we took a lot of what, what is, was not right in the Oregon project and really applied that to what we didn't want this team to be more. So I think our foundation was what we didn't want it to be more than what we wanted it to be. And we've kind of that was our our centerpiece, and we've just kind of grown from there. But I would say it's like, you know, Amy and I are are fierce defenders of our athletes. Like we're gonna put our athletes above everything. Um, and we and they know we're gonna fight for them, whether that's getting into a race or fighting for the contract or or whatever it is. Like, they know we're gonna be out there fighting for them, and uh, and, and because we're willing to do that and we're willing to put ourselves out there, they're all willing to go out there and put, put themselves on the line for us and for the teammates. And, you know, that is, I think that's, that's my biggest thing is I want them to know how much I care about them and how much I'm invested in, in what, what they're doing. Um, and I think if we can show them and demonstrate that we're invested, then it's easier for them to get that buy-in and, it's just a lot easier now because we. It was really tough in the beginning because there was no culture, and we really started off as a very developmental team. And now we've kind of built this 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 model where we bring in developmental athletes, and I think that's that. As Amy said, we kind of try to fix fix where, where they're at, or or take somebody who's just now starting to come along and and take them to the next level, and and that brings us a lot of joy, like to to bring somebody up and and really develop them in your program. And then we also have athletes like Allie and Olivia and Shane that are out there trying to take on the best in the world. And, you know, we ended up with both Allie and, um, Allie and, and, um, Olivia and Yolanda were all ranked in the top 25 at one point last year in the world. And, and, you know, and that's, and that has allowed us to have a culture that when a new person comes in, um, like we've had a couple come in this year, they can share their experiences and it's not just always coming from us. And that's just really fun to see, but really it's just about respecting the athletes and meeting them where they are, giving them time to get there on their own and, and, you know, being hard on them, but also respecting where they, what, that they need some, they, they need you to throw them some bones every now and then, and, and give them, cut them some slack so that they can catch up and and move forward. And I think, um, you know it's we we still have a lot to learn i think we as coaches are continuously pushing the the sponsors and and the club and the athletes to do better and try to be athlete focused and to learn from mistakes that we made or uh, coaches that we've been around or things we see other teams doing that that just aren't right or, or aren't good for the sport or aren't good for athletes and trying to make it better but i don't think we're where we want to be yet and i think we can do better um, but our ultimate goal is to create a team that, you know, 10 or 12 years down the road, when people are are hanging up their spikes, we we aren't writing books about what we did wrong. Um, hopefully we're writing books about what we did right.
0: That's a good segue to the next question of what, uh, what does the future hold for the club? What are some maybe some accomplishments you hope to, to see over the next X amount of years? Um, yeah. What does the what does the future look like?
2: Um, I would say I, w- I want to continue to, I, I want to kind of take us to the next level. I think, you know, we have a really good team and we're starting, you know, Allie was fourth at the championships and Olivia's right on her heels in fifth. Um, and Yolanda made the world championships last year. Um, uh, we've got some athletes coming up this year, so we want to continue to to move in that direction and start to contend, not just to make it to worlds, but kind of like Amy kind of take it to the next level and make the finals. Um, you know, Uh, so we want to continue to bring, uh, to develop that piece. It would be nice every now and then to have, uh, one of those top NCAA athletes coming in that you don't have to, uh, develop. But at the same time, I never want to lose, uh, the focus from where we came from and developing athletes. And I think it creates a really fun culture on our team because we don't just have 15 people who are all NCAA champions, who all think they're the best, who are all, out there just competing with each other every day we have a nice mix of people that are out there working hard and pushing pushing each other in workouts and really trying to take it to the next level but we also have that developmental athlete that that sees what Allie and Olivia and Yolanda and Shane and all those have accomplished and they're like I want to do that and they have them as mentors so I think it's just really finding that balance and continuing to kind of move up on the top end, but at the same time, not losing sight of where we come from and continuing to build those athletes. So I'm never going to, I never want to be a a part of a team that is just going after NCAA champions or, you know, runners up or anything like that. I want to continue to find those diamonds in the rough that not a lot of people are looking at, but you see something special and you bring them in and, and, and you just nurture that and, and they end up being, a world-class athlete. And I think that mix is really fun for us. And we just want to continue to grow that and continue to expand it. And, uh, and it would be nice to, you know, Amy only has a few distance runners. So uh, it would be nice to build that side of this, of things up too. Cause right now I do most, I'm like, I'm, I would, we don't really have titles, but I kind of lead the charge on the middle distance and Amy leads the charge on the, the long distance. So it's been really fun this year to watch Amy uh, bring on Emma Grace Hurley, who's kind of come out of nowhere and is now becoming a top distance runner and it's just really fun watching amy bring her along and and see uh see her kind of shine at the top too so it's fun and and we'd like to expand that part of the team
0: as well yeah amy anything you'd add
1: no i i think it's just continuing to give athletes the opportunity to compete and and continue to do it because especially on the women's side it's um patience. Like I said, I didn't make the Olympic team until I was 30. And most of our athletes are turning 27, 28. So they're not even at that age. They're honestly at the age where I made a big commitment and said, I'm giving myself 18 months to make a team. So they're just now entering that age of of where I started accomplishing things. So it's kind of funny.
0: Yeah. Well, as we wrap up, um, is there anything that, that we missed along the way from beginnings from high school from college post-college anything that you guys wanted to touch on before we wrap up i
1: don't think so not
0: that i can think of yeah okay cool well i appreciate you guys taking the time to do this this was this was awesome i really enjoyed it yeah thanks for having us we really enjoyed it thank you it's fun absolutely
1: taking us down memory lane
0: (laughs) exactly exactly all right everybody until next time we will see you later (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.